Hey, what's up? This is Bill Burr, and you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder. Um, keep listening, because if you're like me, you have nothing better to do. Hello there, I'm PF. This is my tape recorder. Coming up, one of our all-time favorite guests, Pete Corrielli. Yeah, I still get worked up, and I think I will my whole life, because it's human behavior is just... It's just something... It's so ridiculous. Every time I try not to get pulled in, I can't not. We are more from Pete in just a bit. Apologize for the rubbish sound quality. I'm recording this off-site uh, at my day job in a conference room at lunchtime. And you can probably even hear the uh, air vent blowing down on top of me. I'll try to take that noise out in post. But anyway, uh, we have a song of the week coming up from Aurora. She's off of Norway. I think you're really going to like it. It's a really cool tune. And, uh, of course, to start things off, as always, a dumb bit. It's time for another installment of I Thought It Was Funny. So this happened actually right as I put the other show uh, to bed last week. It was on a Thursday, and I'd mixed it down. I put it in the queue to go to Podbean because we were going out of town. And I'm watching nightly news, and of course that big dust-up happens with Ted Cruz and Donald Trump. Donald Trump posting the pictures uh, of their wives side by side and, you know, and you know, making that insulting insinuation that maybe uh, Mrs. Cruz isn't maybe as attractive as uh, Mr. Trump's trophy wife. So, uh, of course, you know, very mature way to handle the campaign, of course. And so they asked Ted Cruz, uh, you know, well, you know, you, he calls Trump a, a train wreck and, and all these other things. But then, well, the uh, nightly news reporter asks him this. So will you support him as the nominee? To which any guy whose wife had just been insulted would say, F no, but not Ted Cruz. So will you support him as the nominee? I'm going to beat him. Now, unfortunately, he doesn't mean with a bat or an iron bar or anything like that. I'm going to beat him for the nominee. Although, just hearing that back right now, I just realized he pauses. Listen. I'm going to beat him for the nominee. I'm going to beat him for the nomination. I was <laughs> so waiting for him to say, I'm going to beat him with an iron bar or a baseball bat or a golf club or something like that. So anyway, no, this is actually what he meant. I'm going to beat him for the nomination. He's leading right now. You Donald just looked in that Trump camera and said he nominee. is a coward. Will you support him as the nominee? Donald Trump will not be the nominee. I'm thinking, dude, a bully just insulted your wife. Man up and say, F, no, I'm not going to support Donald Trump. And, you know, any red-blooded American male would have that immediate reaction. And I thought, well, wait a second. Now that I think about it, Mr. Cruz is actually uh, of Cuban descent, and he was also born in Canada, so maybe he's just too polite to do that. I thought it was funny. This episode of PF's Tape Recorder is brought to you by Home Shirts Cleveland. For all of your Northeast Ohio vintage t-shirt needs, visit homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. You'll also find links to the original Cincy Shirts site, as well as Home Shirts Indianapolis, with more cities to come. That's homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. Now, on with the show. We talk to a lot of great guests every week, of course, but there's a handful of people that are welcome back anytime, and that includes Jimmy Pardo, Jackie Cation, Mark Marin, and of course this gentleman, Pete Corrielli. Hey, P.S. Hey. Corrielli. Hey, 
Coriali, what's up, man? Not too much, bro. How are you? Pretty good. How you been? Uh, I've been really good, man. I've been really good. I'm at a boutique hotel here in Grand Cayman Island doing a private gig. Oh, wow. So I'm calling you from, like, they don't even have phones in every room. So I hear you loud and clear. But when we start this, I'm going to take my time before answering. Try <laughs> to keep it short and keep it funny. Because every time <laughs> I get interviewed by you, I hang up going, God, I rambled like a fucking drunk. No, that's... <laughs> That's that. It's a free form conversation. It's just uh, it's two guys talking. That's uh... yeah, I know. But you you make me just chat and chat and chat. So yeah, you probably that's... hang out with me going, oh god, now I got to read through all this shit, this recording. So I'll try to keep it simple. Oh no, I, I do it all the time. I do this every day. Um, you know, first thing I wanted to ask you though, are you you're still in Western New York, uh, uh, home wise? Yes. Still in Fredonia, New York. There you go. We were up in your neck of the woods uh, about two years ago, and uh, we went up to Buffalo to see a concert. And the biggest thing we discovered is that Buffalo is a lot nicer than people think, and people in Buffalo don't like Buffalo. <laughs> it's the two things we learned. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. I live I live about an hour south of Buffalo, yeah. so in between Buffalo and Erie, Pennsylvania. But, you know, where I live, you find yourself going into Buffalo all the time, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, but, uh, you know, but before I even lived where I live, when my wife and I would go back to visit her family and stuff, everybody complains about living there. And yeah. I would always leave going, well, then, Jesus, what do you want, parole? You can't leave the fucking jurisdiction? Leave! <laughs> Yeah. What's the problem? It's not like this. You, you almost think they're going, oh, man, I hate Buffalo, but there's just so many jobs. Yeah. No, it's like there's no reason to stay if you don't like it. But, um, yeah, it does. it is nicer in the summertime, especially. Yeah. Well, yeah. But that can be said about almost everywhere in America. Yes. Um, but, dude, the problem with the winters in Buffalo, it's not even the cold. It's that the sun doesn't shine. It just doesn't come out, bro. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm from Cleveland, so I know it's very similar weather, and uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Cleveland. I just just played hilarities, man. I love that club. Oh yeah, uh, Cleveland, Buffalo, Detroit. Those cities don't winter very well. Now Chicago winters well because it's Chicago, even though the weather is pretty much the same as it is in the rest of the Midwest. Minneapolis, I think, winters pretty well. But yeah, uh, Cleveland, even Pittsburgh, I don't think winters very well. I lived there for a while, and uh, I guess it just all depends. Yeah, I don't know why these, like, it's funny because Cleveland and Buffalo, there's a very, a very similar, although Cleveland, I, I think most people see it as a bigger, better city, of course. But it's like, you know, the, the, you know, Detroit, same thing. You always think, uh, well, Detroit is downtrodden. But, you know, you get into Buffalo or you get into Cleveland and you realize, oh, man, they got some shit going on here. And in a couple of weeks, believe it or not, uh, for the first time, I'm going to be in Milwaukee. I'm uh, doing a little run oh. with Brian Regan. Oh, nice. And uh, I've never, I've never, yeah, I did one with him a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he's got his own tour bus. It's, it was just an eye-opening experience, man. What a man. But uh, uh, nevertheless, I have a whole day and night in Milwaukee. And, bro, I'm, I'm as excited as if I'm going to Paris for a fucking <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's always fun to explore a new city, especially one uh, you, it feels like you might be familiar with because of where you've lived, but it's a whole new experience because you've never been there. So that's actually pretty cool. Yeah, I look forward to it. I really do. Uh, what do you have any plans? Are you gonna like try to visit breweries? Are you gonna go to a baseball game? Because like, baseball season will have started by then. Anything in particular? Or are you just gonna see where the, where the city takes you? Yeah, it's 
funny with the baseball stadiums, right? Because I know, like, I have a cousin whose goal it is to see a game at every stadium. And, you know, I'm into baseball, but I was in Rome with my wife, and we didn't even go in line to see the Coliseum. We just stuck our head through the metal bars, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm good. You good? And she's like, yeah, I saw enough. You know, let alone go sit in a goddamn stadium. But I do like to walk around. I walk around and walk around, man. That's what I do. But sometimes... Okay. I mean, I've been playing in San Francisco, and I'm walking around. Next thing I know, I look at my watch. It's 6.45. The show starts at 7.30, and my feet are pounding. I don't know where I am. Oh my I'm, God. like, exhausted, man. So you got to pace yourself. Yeah, you do. My wife's going to San Francisco in the fall, I think. She has to fly out from uh, her cousin's wedding in the afternoon, then get to San Francisco. But she told her work. She goes, you know, I'll be a half a day late, but I'm going to this thing. So I'm very jealous. I've never been. Yeah, I tell you, you know, San Francisco, I I, I don't know what I can and can't say, can't say, because I don't know what we talk about. Uh, well, let me just say, man, San Francisco is the singular greatest city for just being dropped me off anywhere with a good pair of sneakers, <laughs> get me a joint and a cup of coffee, and I will walk this city for days. It's just, it's like, well, it's just a great walking city, man. It seems like it, yeah. My uh, brothers-in-laws all live there, and they, a lot of them live, like, right in the city. So uh, I guess they must be doing okay. <laughs> Very pricey to live in San Francisco. Yeah, I know, man. Probably the most so, pricey. So it, you're in the Grand Cayman. How long are you there? Uh, just tonight, tonight and tomorrow for two days. Okay. So, uh, you know, but they brought me in a day early because, you know, it's like, you know, it's a corporate gig. They wanted to make sure you're in here and stuff. So, yeah, not very long. So have you done a lot of corporate gigs? I don't, uh, I didn't think that was your M.O. No, I haven't done a lot. It's funny because a couple of weeks ago I got to have these corporate gigs work a lot of times is uh, a company hires somebody to, to, to put the whole thing together. So one of the things is entertainment. And that woman got a hold of my stuff or saw my special and she called to see if I was available on a particular date. She told me what the money would be and it was in New York City. So I'm like, oh God, this is great, great money. And she's like, yeah, let me just run it by the client. It shouldn't be a problem and we'll let you know like you know, tomorrow or whatever. So cut to, she tells my agent, sorry, it's not happening. So obviously the client decided <laughs> to go another route and it, may, it literally makes you want to go I want to go to the event because I already know what it is. That's how much information I have. Just to open up the doors and look at the comic on stage and go to the guy. That that's what you chose over <laughs> me. Are you? I'll give you ten minutes for free right now just to show you how dumb you are. And I, I just you know you can beat him. Some comics literally try to do that. They think they can go to every single person individually and tell them that somebody's not funny. That that'll work. You know you just. <laughs> Well, yeah, I think you that's artistic. The people. That's artistic nature, I think. You know, because yeah, I'm reading this great book now. You may have heard of it called uh, "The Comedians," and then uh, like the lower title is like "Drunks, Scoundrels, and Thieves." Oh yeah, I've heard about that. And it's about the history. Of, yeah, it's really great. It's about the history of stand-up comedy. I'm getting to the part now with the '70s and the Comedy Store, and I've read about that a ton of times. But what I really got into was actually the start of stand-up, you know, and how it, it, it you know, was in vaudeville and it was yeah. a part of bigger shows with music and stuff. And then this one guy, Frank Fay, is his name. He just like decided, I'm not moving around. I'm not wearing blackface. I got no props. And he just talked. 
and they laughed, and they like he's widely considered the first comic, you know. So, but, you know, then you read on about the coffee shops that these guys would go hang out in, Milton Berle and Sid Caesar, and even back then, they'd like you know one guy would get famous, and then they, and they all the other guys are going, oh, so and so was just ripping off from Sid Caesar. Everybody yeah. knows Sid Caesar was doing that act, Wait, you know, and it's like it's the same shit, just different year. Well, it's if famously back then too, Milton Berle would sit in the comedy clubs and just write other guys' jokes down and go and take them on TV. At what point then did that kind of stop? Is that like the early '60s with Lenny Bruce and Woody Allen, or like you know your material is your material and it's not like you know singing someone else's song? Or when did that come about? Yeah, no, that uh, that is actually right around the time. Okay, with all those guys, uh, actually, Mort uh, Mort Saul, yeah, and um. Oh, there was another one right around there that was also doing it. Uh, Lenny Bruce, Mark Saul, uh, Buddy Hackett, Jonathan Winters. But these guys, uh, before them, you know, not only would they do your stuff, when you would come to town, you would actually go up to the manager to find out, you know, has my stuff been done in a while. And then if you had a particularly good bit, people, uh, comics are doing it all over the all over the country. There'd be like 40 comics so-called comics. I yeah. don't even know if you can call them that back then. But they'd all be doing your bit in different venues. Like the one famous bit was playing a, because there was so much war back then, World War II especially, you would play like a funny army colonel, you know, which eventually <laughs> became like Sergeant Bilko. Ah. And like, you know, you'd come to, you'd come to town to, to do it, and they'd be like, oh, man, we just had so-and-so here last week you're doing that bit. So, but I mean... It's the same thing with music, man. When I first started to realize that Sinatra was singing, Ladine was singing, and vice versa, I was like, well, this is bullshit. Yeah. You're not writing it? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people say, well, you know, you no know? one can sing a song like Frank. And that, that may very well be true. And I guess that's always the knock people put on Elvis versus the Beatles, is that Elvis didn't write any of his own stuff. I mean, he got his name stuck on some of them. You know, but obviously he wasn't doing a lot of writing. It was, you know, more the performance, which is fine. But yeah, I think that's why people respect the Beatles more than Elvis Presley, uh, because for that very reason. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's it, even with comedy now. It's it's interesting because there's like this majority of guys that are very very popular are either already on TV, as we know. So that's just you know people want to come see the guy on TV. And uh, other ones are really, I see, you know, they, they're very physical because, you know, not everybody's going to sit there and listen. So, you know, you combine those two. That's why guys like Louie and Jim Gaffigan are really well, my favorites in so many ways because it's just the words. Yeah. But, um, you know, but again, that's, again, that's been going on since the beginning of time, too. You know, they would talk about... Uh, Steve Martin and, and like Milton Berle, those guys are going, guy, the, the arrow in your head? I don't know what you think you're doing with that guy. That's going nowhere. He went all the way to the Houston Astrodome with that. Yes. So you just got to you just gotta do what you do and, and just believe in what you do. But you can't control what they're going to like and don't like. I mean, dude, I watch Donald Trump when he's not on TV and they're talking to another politician. I'm like, oh, can we get Trump back on? I just got the popcorn out of the microwave. Huh. Yeah. I can't, I can't help it. I can't help it. And I know the other politicians are like, 
what are you, dumb? You like Trump? Yeah. It's like, it would be like me looking at, at an audience member laughing at a guy banging his head on the wall. I'm like, that's funny to you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, that's right. Wow, what a comparison. But, you know, I got a friend, a very, uh, uh, you know, I know comics, and uh, I was having a conversation with one guy in particular who's very popular. And uh, he's got a guy who doesn't, you know, write all the stuff. I mean, this comic writes his own stuff, but he goes, but he does have a guy who's a writer that, you know, writes stuff for him, and he goes, and when he gives it to me, if I like it, I take it, and I, you know, and I go and I do it. So there's a lot of that going on now, especially some of these guys that are, like Kevin Hart, for example, when yeah. there's a new album come out, you know, this no disrespect to Kevin, there's just no way he wrote all that, because he was just making a movie. What, is he writing it now in between takes? Yeah. No, he's got a, a guy, some guys helping him, and he's an unbelievable performer and a funny, funny man. So, you know, I just couldn't do it like that. Um, on my last Showtime special, I had one joke that was real funny, but it just it didn't happen to me. It happened to my friend. Yeah. I was trying to say it happened to me. Uh, and, like, I wanted to put it on the special, but I just couldn't. And my buddy's like, dude, I'll never tell anyone it didn't happen to you. And it gets a huge laugh. And I go, I know, but I just... I just feel like I just took money out of everyone's wallet when they weren't looking. I just <laughs> couldn't say it, you know? Yeah, a lot of people, it's it's strange how some people really, I talked to some comedians that are, uh, you know, oh yeah, it's it's you know it's got to be very truth-based, and other ones, like Dan Tosh told me years ago, he goes, it's completely made up. Because 100% made up, because my life is so boring, there's no way I could even make any of it funny. And he, But that works for him. I mean, if, I guess if you get into that mindset that, you know, you're just a funny guy that can say funny things, that's cool. But for someone like you, I guess, because the writing is part of the charge, you know, to get those words to take action, you know, that's very important. Yeah, like, like I, I do like a, a combination of both, you know. It has to oh, yeah. happen to me uh, only because I can't sell it if it didn't. But with that said, oh, get ready for some serious exaggeration, baby. We're going down exaggeration highway right oh, now. Oh, sure. <laughs> that's, you know, like I got a new bit now. I'm talking about coming through customs from Canada back over to America. And, you know, how they're, you know, I go, you know, they're always very stern. They can never just joke with you. It's a whole bit. I won't, I won't do it to you. Yeah. I go, but what I like to do is like, is like I like to take moments. Like at one point, uh, at the end of the bit, the customs agent says to me, uh, the apple's got to stay, because I had two apples. Yeah. So so I go, uh, you know, now I'm thinking to myself, I want to say to the guy, uh, can I have a moment with the apples? <laughs> you know, I'm going to turn to the apples and go, we got this frog, guys. I hate to leave you behind. You know, so it's almost like I'm pausing the real moment to have all that big, you know, shit that didn't happen in the exaggeration. And then we go back to real. But, like, I see comics on stage, and they're doing, a, like, features, and I'm watching them. You know, I love to watch guys I've never seen before. And they're doing a bit about something, like, in real life. And I'm so into the bit, and I'm so with them. And then they'll go, and then, like, you know, they'll get to a part, and they go, yeah, and then an uh, uh, alien popped out of the, uh, the um, you know, sewer and said, blah, blah, blah. Like, this something so fake. Yeah. And I'm like, I feel jipped. I feel chipped. I'm like, dude, why didn't you just stick to what really happened? We all have felt what you're feeling. We would have found the funny in that. Yeah. So, you know, I can't do that. So Letterman always said that the things that were funniest to him were things that were just on the precipice of being possible and being impossible. And it's, finding that line was always the challenge for him, be it when he was doing stand-up or when he was you know, putting the show together uh, with his writers and stuff. That, that's that little... That little 
that little twist, as they say in Spinal Tap, little turnabout, that was the key to finding the comedy for him. Yeah, yeah, and like oh, putting a word in the person's mouth that you're making the bit about. But when you make, when you say, and that person said, it, can, it has to be something that we, like Letterman saying, that we could possibly believe someone right. would say. Yeah, yeah. When someone said something so unrealistic, you're like, they wouldn't have said that. They would not say that, you know? So. Yeah. Um, another thing I wanted to ask you about is uh, fatherhood. You've, uh, you're pretty well along in that now. How's that working out? Yeah, you know, it's freaking, it's awesome. I, got, I mean, you know, you have a child. How many do you have, right? We got two, uh, 18 and 13, and Fangirl is on the podcast often. Uh, Lizzie, not a fan. Lizzie's busy making videos for YouTube. <laughs> She's the 13-year-old. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good for her, man. Small kid, small kid. Yeah, it's unbelievable, man. It's everything you wish it would be. Uh, I just got to say, the whining, not even the crying, the whining, <laughs> like, you know, like, we let her watch TV every night for 20 minutes before she goes to bed. And you know, as soon as you turn the TV off, the eh, I mean, that literally, could, that could be torture. Instead of waterboarding, <laughs> just put, like, three babies around. So, eh, <laughs> oh, my God. So, uh, you know, but yeah, they're adorable. It's fantastic, man. It's, uh, it's uh, you know, the, the, it's... Yeah, I got nothing really to say about it. I mean, I, I do some jokes on stage about it, of course. I'm getting into that area with. So, do you still have just the one, or do you, do you have another? Oh no, man! I just have one. My wife, forget it, dude. What time? I actually uh, had the old operation. Oh yeah, ditto. <laughs> yeah, this is a good one for the for the for the article. For the I list. had a vasectomy, <laughs> and the guy when I went to the doctor, and this is. <clears throat> You know, man, this is like hitting the road out there every week trying to, you know, get yourself noticed and known. Yeah. So I was playing a club in Toledo, Ohio, which is about four and a half hours from Jamestown, New York, which is yeah. where I was getting a little snippet, which is right by Fredonia. Sure. And the doctor goes, the day, the day I go in, my wife's driving, she's got the Subaru. Uh, I think we got, my, my in-laws are watching the, the, the uh, no, yeah, we got my daughter. She's an infant. We got her in the car. And the guy goes, uh, so you're going to go home? It was, it, was, uh, it was Thursday. It was Thursday morning at like 11. And he's like, so you're going to go home? I don't want you to walk around a lot this weekend. Keep it iced up all weekend. And by Sunday evening, you should be able to move around. Then Monday, you should be able to actually walk around, do whatever. And I go, okay. So he does the operation. I get in the back of the Subaru, ice my balls while my wife drives four hours to Toledo. Yeah. <laughs> get there just in time to throw on a pair of jeans and hit the stage. That's the life of a comic. I'm yeah. on stage four and a half hours after a vasectomy with a drive in between, laying in the back of a Subaru with no seatbelt, by the way, PF. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're a trooper. <laughs> yeah, so... So I know with on stage. the crowd though. That's sort of professional I am. Oh, there you go. No sympathy. There. Don't want to get the sympathy laugh. You got to get straightforward. I, I know that a lot of it is uh, your comedy is kind of you versus the world kind of thing. But as, as you're getting older now, is it harder to get as outraged, or do just different things outrage you? Because I've, I think I've mellowed out quite a bit over the years. You know, I can still get ticked off, but I'm kind of like, eh, is this worth getting worked up over? Yeah, I still get worked up, and I think I will my whole life because it's human behavior is just, it's just some, it's so ridiculous. Every time I try not to get pushed in or pulled in, 
I can't not. I mean, I'm literally <laughs> flying out here to come to the to this to this gig, and the guy across the aisle from me on the plane has got his headphones on. And you know, when you're on the plane and you go to use your seatbelt, you you flick that flicker. Sometimes you know you, you, your finger comes off it and it'll flip back. Yeah. You know, like you can flick it. Yep. The handle. Okay. He's using his thumb and he's flicking the handle to the beat of the song. <laughs> so finally, I look. I look over and I go, "Guy, enough!" And he looks at me and he says, "And he doesn't know what I mean." And I'm looking at his thumb as he's doing it. I'm like, "What are you in the band? Are you in the band? Enough!" And he stops. And the guy next to me laughed and goes, "Thanks." And I'm like, "Yeah, no problem." Then I have a connecting flight. And there's a kid and his sister sitting behind me. The mother, I guess, is in the row in front of me. You ever heard that PF on the family? You know, that kind of family. Oh, that, yeah. For whatever reason. They, sure. don't even have, they don't even have seats together. Like, yep. I'll let you get this last minute on a discount. Here yeah, we go. That's us. Dad's that's over you. here. Mom's yeah. back here. Yeah. Right? So the kid behind me, he's got to be like 13. He sticks his hand through the seats between me and the other guy. We're still on the tarmac. We haven't taken off yet. He goes, Ma, here, I don't want this. She looks through the little seats between us. It's his gum in his hand. <laughs> oh, so she goes, she goes, well, I don't want it. And then she yells to Dad across the aisle. She goes, you believe your son? He's trying to give me his gum like I want it. The woman sitting next to me says, well, we don't want it. <laughs> And then the mother in front says to the kid, put your hand back. But it's like, this is what I'm saying, Pia. What do you mean you, you let it go? Someone's waving a half-chewed piece of hubba bubba <laughs> in your face and you're letting that go? I'll never let it go, bro. <laughs> well, awesome, man. Well, I think that's... That got a good place to end it, man. I can head head back out to the beach in the the warm weather there in the Caymans and uh, get yourself relaxed for the show. All right, and just can you edit this too, man? Uh, yeah, I, I I have to tell you one quick story. Sure, and sure. A, and then make this the theme of it, please. Okay. Um, I was flying home and I had a connecting flight to Buffalo. I'm in Philadelphia. Now I noticed right next to me is a flight going to Erie, Pennsylvania. I live about halfway between, so sometimes I've flown to Erie, and sometimes I fly to Buffalo, almost always Buffalo. Yeah. So I'm sitting there, and, and the guy gets on, and he goes, ladies and gentlemen, the 11.30 flight to Erie has been canceled due to scheduled maintenance, right? Now, I'm not even on that flight. I'm going to Buffalo. So people, he goes, go to uh, the Delta counter, and they'll reschedule you. So I walk up to the guy, and I go, I, I, I just, I got to understand this, man. Do you, when you say scheduled maintenance, does that mean like it was scheduled to happen this time? He's like, yes, that means it was scheduled. To ha-. It's like, well, then why would you book a flight that you know can't go out because you have scheduled maintenance? And he goes, well, it's scheduled, sir, so we have to put... I go, yeah, but you know it's... He goes, sir, yeah, you just have to go to the ticket counter and they'll get you on another flight. I go, I'm not even on this flight, I'm going to Buffalo. And he goes, you're, he goes, you're not even on this flight. Why? I go, because sometimes I do go to Erie and I want to make sure this don't happen to me, man. What's going on? Why would you schedule... So, Pia, just tell the people... I'm, I do this for the people. This isn't just for me. This is for everybody. I'm doing this for the everybody, the team, America. I'm here people. Awesome. Fighting the good fight. All right, bro. Even from the Caribbean. Thanks, All right, bro. thanks, Pete. Good, good talking to you again, man. Bye.
Thanks again to Pete Corrielli for being on the show. You can catch Pete April 22nd and 23rd in Austintown, Ohio. That's in suburban Youngstown, uh, where a lot of my family is from, at a club called Mojo's. And then for all the other Pete Corrielli dates, just go to PeteCorrielli.com if you would be so kind. Uh, let me see. Of course, the uh, regular credits include uh, who does the logo. That would be uh, my nephew-in-law, Dan Coble. And, and Dan and Logan's podcast is back on the air, but has a different name now, and I've already forgotten what it was. It was Magic Potion, and now it's called Skronk, I think. So I did look that up on iTunes. They're back on iTunes now. So uh, d- uh, dig that. They talk a lot about tech, I believe, and uh, and how it applies to like, delay people like uh, me and you, uh, maybe. And let me see, what else do we have? Oh, of course, original music composed and performed by Doug Veropolis. Uh, I would do that. John, John Veropolis and Doug O'Connor with a little help from me. You think after 246 episodes, I'd have that completely uh, organized in my head. But I do not. However, we are up to the song of the week. And the song of the week, guess where I heard it? You've got it. BBC Radio 1. Now, this actually hasn't charted uh, in the UK. And it wasn't even like their track of the day or anything. But it's uh, a woman named Aurora. She is off of Norway. And uh, this is her, actually her seventh single. She's on to her eighth single already, even though Radio 1 has just started playing this single. And again, it hasn't charted anywhere, not even in her native Norway, but it's a song called The Conqueror. Puts me in the mind of Florence and the Machine, uh, a little poppier, maybe, slightly, than Florence. But the song is called The Conqueror. It is our song of the week on PS Tape Recorder. So long, and thanks for listening. Only destruction